Welcome to another podcast episode of DIY Guitar Making. I also produce video episodes of DIY Guitar Making live in the workshop. To find both the podcasts and the videos all in one place, go to DIYGuitarMaking.com. You can even subscribe to the email list there to receive new episodes, both the videos and the podcasts, directly in your inbox as they come out. Again, that's DIYGuitarMaking.com. And with that, let's get to the show. Hey guys, in this episode, we are going to be looking very closely, diving deep into the guitar string itself. I'm going to talk about string gauge. I'm going to talk about string materials and whether or not the string is hex core or round core. We're going to talk about scale length and how string gauge and scale length interact with each other. And we're going to talk about saddle compensation and how all of this ties back into saddle compensation and even to a degree into neck angles. So without further ado, let's just get right into it. So today we're going to be taking a look at the humble guitar string. And it's really a not-so-humble thing when you think about it because the guitar string is really the thing that the entire instrument is actually built around. Even if you take, just for example, the difference between certain types of guitars that have different types of strings. So, for example, nylon-strung classical guitars and steel-strung flat-top folk guitars. All of the differences between these two instruments, or at least most of them, there are a couple purely aesthetic, traditional differences that get in there. They're, they're effectively cultural differences at that point. But all of the real structural differences between those two instrument types come from the different type of string that is attached and is holding the tension on the neck. And we're going to get into a little bit later what those exact differences are between the steel strings and the classical nylon strings. But just understand for now that the instrument is literally built around the string. In fact, when I'm drawing up, when I'm starting from paper and drawing up a fresh design for an instrument, I actually always start by drawing the string whether I'm drawing a set of plans in profile of that instrument or I'm drawing a uh, bird's eye view set of plans, I still start with the string and most particularly that string length measurement, which is the scale length plus compensation. And from there, from that string line and from an understanding of what material I'm going to be using for the strings and what the gauges of the various strings are going to be, I can start to build and design my guitar off of that. Starting with the string like this allows me to determine some of the very important parameters of designing my guitar, which are the precise location of the saddle and the neck angle. So I think with any instrument that you happen to be building, the string is just the most logical starting point. So let's go ahead then and start by discussing what some of these important parameters of the string are. And we're going to start with 
the gauge of string. And as always, I'm going to focus more on the acoustic guitar rather than electric guitar strings because the acoustic guitar is what this podcast is about. Although I may make some mention of uh, some things related to electrics here and there when I don't mention it. Just know that we are talking about the acoustic guitar. Okay, so all that aside, the gauge of the string, if you've ever bought guitar strings before, you've probably noticed that you can buy light strings, you can buy medium, you can buy heavy. Now these terms, light, medium, and heavy, are very brand specific. They don't actually have a very definitive meaning, and just jumping from one brand to another, or certainly jumping from one type of an instrument to another, you'll get a different definition of what a light gauge set of strings is, and what a medium gauge set of strings is, and what a heavy gauge set is. So just know that those terms are very fluid in that way. So that's why guitarists have come up with a better way of describing these sets, a more accurate way, and that is to describe the set by the diameter of the treble E string. So when you hear a guitarist say, hey, I'd like a set of 12s, what they're asking for is a what is commonly considered light gauge to most brands, um, but what they're asking for is a set of guitar strings in which the treble E string is 12 thousandths of an inch. A set of 13s, the treble E string is 13 thousandths of an inch, and so on. This isn't a perfect way of describing a set of strings, by the way, but it's a really good shorthand for getting close to what you want. I say it's not perfect because a set of 12s typically has a certain expected diameter for the other strings in that set. However, there is a little bit of variability there. For example, sometimes in a set of 12s, the low E string might be a 56 thousandths of an inch, or it might be 54 thousandths of an inch. But typically for the average player, just understanding that you like a set of 12s or 13s or 11s is enough to put you in the ballpark of what you want, and worrying about whether or not the other strings in that set are of a certain value is a little bit too nitty-gritty. But for the pickier or just the more refined players, that distinction is there for them to figure out. A lighter gauge string requires less tension to reach a given pitch. So let's take that treble E string again as an example. A 12 thousandths of an inch treble E requires less tension on that string to reach the pitch of E than a 13, that is a 13 thousandths of an inch treble E string. So if you swapped out uh, 12 for a 13, you would have to tune up that 13 just a little bit higher tension-wise, not pitch-wise. You would have to turn the tuning key just a little bit more to bring that up to tension to match that same pitch that you got at the with the 12 thousandths of an inch string. Of course, in practice, when you're actually tuning your guitar, it feels the same. You don't see the tension or hear the tension. You hear the pitch, and you see, if you're using a tuner, the pitch readout on your tuner. You're just using a tuner that reads the frequency, so you're just tuning it to pitch. 
it's not like as a guitar player you have to actually think about the tension of the string, but just know that that's actually what's happening. You are tuning it up to a greater tension. D'Addario, by the way, keeps a really great chart of the various tensions of strings. It has the, the weight of the strings, the tension, uh, the tension at various pitches. So if you were to use the string for a, a different pitch, you could see what that tension would be like as well. Uh, especially, say, if you were designing a guitar for some sort of alternate tuning. But anyway, if you're new to guitar building, don't worry about that kind of stuff. Um, if you're not new to it and you've been around for a little bit, it is a, a useful thing for designing uh, guitars to work under different setups. So I'll include that in the show notes. So anyway, increasing the diameter of the string increases the tension. And that's going to affect the guitar in a variety of ways. For one, a an increased tension on the string means that it's going to feel stiffer to the player. So a player that likes this loose... Um, playing style, they like to be able to do bends and things like that, they're going to want a lower tension string and thus a lower diameter string. So a set of 12s, which is generally considered light gauge, would be good for them. Maybe even lower if they want extra light. However, some players actually really want a very stiff string. They don't want that tuning instability that you get from very loose strings so they might like a set of 13s or on the extreme end a set of 14s which is basically like aircraft cable at that point but some people swear by it they love that again it's the tuning stability of that string think about it this way if you're not a player who likes to bend notes at all then that loose feel actually becomes a liability because you can and often will in very small subtle ways slip in and out of tune by just through your playing style by inadvertently bending the string by just you know an eighth note or or something like that that's what i mean in this case by tuning stability this is attractive by the way to bluegrass players for example now another thing that interacts with the tension of the instrument is the scale length so if you want an instrument that's going to either have the feel of a low-tension instrument or a high-tension instrument, that's not just a decision of the gauge of strings. It's also a decision of what scale length is that instrument going to be. Is it going to be a short scale length instrument, which has a looser tension, or is it going to be a long scale length, which has a heavier tension? So let's just say, for example, that you wanted a stiffer, heavier-tension guitar which again, maybe it's because you like that feel, um, but also there's other reasons to want that. It has a more efficient energy output. So you're going to get more tone, projection, sustain. You're going to get more of that stuff out of a heavier tension system. I mean, you can prove this to yourself by just simply taking your guitar and tuning it excessively low and then playing it, and you'll notice that all things like volume and sustain, all of that just drops off past a certain point. So anyway, um, assuming that we want a stiffer overall system, there's two ways to get there. We can increase the gauge of our strings, or we can increase the scale length. Or we can do both, a little bit of both. So there's three ways to get there. Now, the more you do either or both of these things, the greater the need there is 
to brace the instrument against the greater tension. So in the extreme here, you might need to bolster up, for example, your X-brace or your transverse bar to be able to accept more of that load coming down off of the fretboard tongue. Or maybe even just a, a more supportive neck block, like a, a neck block with a foot that really supports that area as well. Which honestly isn't a bad idea to do at any tension because the neck block area shouldn't really have an impact on the vibrational footprint of the guitar anyway. But I digress there. The, the point being that you can't make these changes in the extreme and not brace against them. Now, simply moving up a gauge of string, like say from a 12 to a 13, isn't enough of a tension increase to really be something that you should worry about. So I just want to mention that out front right here so we don't all become tension hypochondriacs. But it's only in the extreme if you if you are designing something very novel and you are intending to put high tension strings on it, you know, high gauge strings, and also increase that scale length at the same time. That can be a recipe for long-term dysfunction of the guitar. So, so far we've talked about string gauges and we've talked about scale length and the interaction between the two of them. Now let's move on from that and let's talk about materials. So what material is your string composed of? When you're buying strings, you may have noticed that there's a lot of options out there. I'm going to ignore some of the more obscure options here. I might mention some of them, but in general, I'm going to ignore those and just stick to some of the more common options that you see in order to keep this brief and simple. So first of all, there are actually two parts to the string. There's the core of the string, and then there's the windings that go around the string. Of course, on the smallest of strings, you may have noticed, of course, that there is really only just the core of the string. There are no windings on the E or the B string. And in some cases, there are no windings on the G string. So on a steel string acoustic guitar, the cores of the strings are always steel. And that's actually where it gets the name from. So really, the differences that we're seeing between string materials is in the windings. There is, however, one more important thing to note about the string core, and that's not a material choice necessarily, but really a shape choice. There are two shapes to that string core. There's hex core, is what it's often referred to as. It's a hexagonal shape, hexagonal uh, cross-section if you were to cut that string open. And then there's round core. So the hexagonal, the hex core, is a newer string type from what I understand, it's a better cross-sectional shape for the string core because it allows the windings to stay tighter against that string core. That string core shape, by the way, is not the kind of thing that is usually going to be right out there in the open on your string packaging when you're shopping for strings. So, But if you, if you look on the packaging uh, a little bit, Further, if you kind of flip it around and read the back, it should tell you somewhere whether the string you're looking at is hex core or round core. Okay, so that's the core of the string. For the windings on a steel string acoustic guitar, the two most common types are 
80-20 bronze and phosphor bronze. And this is quite simple. The 80-20 bronze tends to have more trebles and the phosphor bronze tends to have more of a bassy low end. So one, you could say, is brighter and potentially brasher or tinny. And the other is what many describe as warmer or mellower, which on certain instruments that already have a enough of an inherent low end built into it, it can you can make it too mellow and to the point where it, it just gets kind of muddy with the low ends. So a good way to think about this is a really small guitar, like a parlor guitar or something like that, is going to naturally sound a little brighter. So you probably want to go for the more mellow strings in order to mellow out that brash tinniness that you might get from a smaller bodied instrument. On a larger bodied instrument, you might want to compensate for more of that inherent low end by getting the 80-20 bronze, the brighter, more trebly string choice. This is a very general description though, and really your best guide is just your own intuition by, you know, trying out the two types and seeing what you like. That's always far more instructive than anything I can say here. So, just remember, 80-20 bronze for more treble, phosphor bronze for more low end. And then beyond that, nowadays you have a lot of string manufacturers that boast certain special formulations in their strings, at least in their string windings, that... Um, prolong the longevity of that string. There's a coating that is corrosion resistant on these strings, which just means that you can go longer between string changes. So if that's something you're interested in, look for coated strings. And then there are some strings that are designed to reduce those squeaks you get when you slide your fingers across the string. Uh, There's flat wound strings instead of just the regular wounds. So I mentioned earlier that the string is the best logical starting place for designing your instrument. You design your instrument around the string. And now that we understand things like the gauge, the scale length, how those two interact with each other, the materials of the string, whether or not the core is hex or round, and whether or not the string windings are 80-20 bronze or phosphor bronze or something different entirely, all of that is going to interact to create or to, to tell us how much tension is on that instrument. And the amount of tension and the distribution of that tension across the strings is also going to affect very important measurements when we're planning out our guitar, like the amount of compensation that has to be added to the scale length and also to a smaller extent the amount of neck angle that we're going to need. Now for both of these things, both the compensation and the neck angle, a lot of people just have worked out um, simple constants that they can use that basically shoot the middle. So that way you don't have to every time, you know, do all these calculations to figure out precisely where your compensated saddle should be and precisely how much neck angle you actually should put into the heel of your neck. In a lot of cases, you really can argue that 
you're just splitting hairs by running these calculations. So for the beginner guitar builder, I really don't recommend getting too wrapped up in all this stuff, although it's interesting to know and to understand how these measurements are made in the first place. But either way, I'm going to give you a very neat resource for using the string parameters that we just discussed in order to determine your compensation at your saddle. I've been using this resource for pretty much as long as I've been building, and I'm totally going to butcher this name. It's just impossible to pronounce Liutao Motola. L-I-U-T-A-I-O Motola dot com. Don't worry about trying to remember that. I'm going to include that in the show notes so you can check out that resource. And there's a lot of great information there on taking these string parameters, like I mentioned, and inputting them into this calculator to see exactly where your intonation point for each string should be on your saddle. Even if you plan on building a guitar with just a simple straight saddle rather than a fully compensated saddle, it's still just really cool to check out this calculator and to learn and to see how these inputs, how you actually arrive at these points on your saddle. And with that, let's go ahead and wrap it up right here. This episode was a little bit dense in terms of the topics we were talking about, so I don't really want to go long with it. I think if I shut it down right here, it'll be just enough information for someone particularly who's just starting out to be able to absorb. Maybe that if they listen back to it once or twice, they can really grasp this close-up analysis of the string that we've done here. If you enjoyed this and you learned something here, please subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform that you are enjoying this on at the moment. And if you want to really learn more, take one of my structured online courses at ericschaferguitars.com. Or you can register for a hands-on guitar building workshop here with me in Burnville, Pennsylvania. Bye for now.